When times get tough, people get gardening. Americans have a rich history of growing their own food during times of war. During World War I and World War II, people in America and in other countries started gardens on their property and in their communities. A new foe is here, and people are once again faced with rationing and shortages. What is their response? Return to the land. Return to the garden. Many of you are starting your gardens for the very first time. Former presidential candidate Mike Bloomberg said that farming is easy. There are a lot of things to think about and consider as we begin our gardening journey together. It does not have to be complicated, but there are some proven methods and techniques that we can use to help us successfully grow food in small places. And that includes your balconies, your patios, your driveways at your home, townhome, condo, or apartment. Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. This is a special edition of the Small Scale Life and Small Scale Gardening Podcast. I'm your host, Tom. For this special episode, I've assembled a panel of men that have experience with gardening and farming. My panel includes Donnell Freeman from Freeman Family Farms, Adam Rapier, Commercial Greenhouse Manager, Jason Gray from Gray Area Farms, Michael Jordan from a bee-friendly company and Urban Gorilla, and of course me. I'm a gardener with 12 years experience in my backyard. Our focus was victory gardens, and we quickly pivoted to practical advice for new gardeners who are also growing in small spaces. We hope you use this information to start your garden, and it also, for me personally, lets me know that I've got a lot more work to do to help you go along this journey. So with many of you starting to garden, you might be wondering what you need to do with those shiny new packets of seeds. Well, I'm glad you asked. I have a free seed starting guide where I provide a step-by-step process for growing plants from seed. I also provide a list of materials for you that can serve as a must-have and a would-be-nice-to-have shopping list. But wait, there's more. We have a bonus ideas and inspiration sheet where members of the Small Scale Life community have shared seed starting stations. We hope to inspire you to try starting seeds and starting on this fun gardening journey with us this year. So head to smallscalelife.com and look for the free guides tab in the main page. Sign up and get your free seed starting guide. Also the bonus ideas and inspiration guide and a subscription to the Small Scale Life newsletter. Bam! Just like that. That's all there is to it. That's all there is to it. A winner! All right, are we ready? Strap yourselves in, grab a drinky drink, got mine right here, and get ready for today's episode. Let's begin. Welcome, everyone, to the Small Scale Life Podcast. I am your host, Tom. I have some great people here today. We are here to talk about Victory Gardens with everything that's going on in the world right now. So many people are turning their view on to gardening and getting into gardening, and they think right away, my parents, my grandparents, they had Victory Gardens back in the day. I'm going to do that. And then they jump in, and and I think we need to have a discussion about what is a Victory Garden, what can people really... 
what should they be focusing on and uh, what advice we can give them as, as all of us have different backgrounds. We have people in Minnesota. I'm in Minnesota. We have different people from around the country. Uh, a couple of people didn't make it, but now we can just jump in and I would love everybody to the panel, the esteemed panel to introduce themselves. Jason. I'm Donnie Freeman. Yep. Go ahead. Uh, Freeman family farms. Uh, ran a CSA for years and years and years. And, uh, up until recently, I'm kind of going in a different direction, um, but uh, kind of container gardening or uh, tank gardening, as Tom well knows, it's, uh, it's kind of a thing, so it's kind of my specialty anymore. Go ahead, Jason. Well, I'm uh, Jason Gray. I have uh, the channel Regenerative Road Trip on YouTube and also ExploreStuff.com. And uh, I used to, sort of like uh, Donnie used to be a farmer, had gray area farms in the eastern plains of Colorado, Uh, did that for a while and eventually decided to follow my wife out onto the road. We're full-time RVers now, and uh, she's a park ranger for the National Park Service. So one would think that uh, we're even more prepping now since we're totally mobile, and most uh, preppers would like the RV lifestyle for all hazards except for a global pandemic, and that's what we ended up with. Worst zombie apocalypse ever. I still go for it. I want zombies over this stuff, but I feel your pain, Jason. Uh, Adam Rapier, been doing the urban farming thing, urban homesteading thing for four years now. Started off with bees, and then I met this crazy dude up in Wyoming that got me doing a whole bunch of other stuff. <laughs> so gardening, chickens, bees, and quail, all in my backyard in a suburban lot. My neighbors love yet hate me. <laughs> well, my name's Michael Jordan. I'm known as the Bee Whisperer. I'm an urban gorilla. I, I was uh, an urban prepper in 1996 before all this became had and started the Urban Gorilla League. And I'm a professional beekeeper and I teach and educate people on beekeeping. But I'm, a, I'm also, like I said, an urban gorilla. I teach people on how to raise quail, how to grow things in a 500 square foot apartment how to make a zip gun to protect yourself. So I'm, I'm a little bit out there on the far end and an extreme of stuff. And when it comes to gardening and food production, it's my, my mom and dad, my mom was extremely poor uh, in Wyoming. She had 12 brothers and sisters and they only ate wild game and what they could grow. So gardening has been in their area of the family for a long time. My grandfather was a World War II vet. And his wife, my grandmother, was a brethren. So farming and growing food for home production was in our family blood. And my family still does Victory Gardens, or what my mom and dad just call food production for what they like to eat at home. All roads lead to Michael Jordan. That's the way it is, right? (laughs) Well, I'm Tom Dommers. I am host of Small Scale Life Podcast. Uh, I've been gardening, well, all of my life, really, but um, really focused gardening in the past, well, since the crash of 2008, where I learned that uh, we really, as suburbanites, we had no skills, no survival strategy, uh, no emergency fund. We were just hanging out there. And as a um, basically a vice president of a consulting firm, I suddenly had my head on the chopping block and I had to go, oh, man, what happens if the next thing happens? So I think all of us are in a um, an interesting uh, – the times are interesting, as they say, right? Um, we live in interesting times. So um, right now I do a lot of uh, container garden, – raised bed gardening, container gardening. And um, I really appreciate everybody being here. You can hear we have a – 
a very uh, wide variety of experience here, a lot from the heartland of America. And, uh, you know, my background, my parents are Polish, grandparents are Polish, and uh, they always had gardens. We had big, massive, expansive gardens, and I was always sent out there to weed as punishment, which was brutal. So, um, you know, I... I think that's people's vision of this is tilling up your whole backyard and starting. And maybe, maybe that is, maybe that isn't where we're going, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. I think where we start is victory gardens. And what were they? Um, you know, according to Wikipedia, cause that's where we go is the internet, right? We do a search and, uh, just a quick definition. So we're all on the same page, vegetable, fruit, or herb gardens planted at private residences and public parks in the United States, United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, Germany during World War I and World War II. In wartime, governments encouraged people to plant victory gardens, not only to supplement their rations, but also boost morale. They were used uh, along with rationing stamps and cards to reduce pressure on the public food supply. Besides indirectly aiding the war effort, these gardens were considered a civil, a civil morale booster in that gardeners could feel empowered by their contribution of labor labor and rewarded by produce grown. This made Victory Gardens part of everyday life on the home front. And we've kind of got front lines all around us with this thing going on. So everywhere is the home front, right? And everywhere is the front lines at the same time. But I, you know, this is a good opportunity, I think, for people to get out there and do something good for their neighborhood or at least for their families. So uh, talking about Victory Gardens, um, did anyone have any stories about Victory Gardens in your past? I know we were just talking about that a little bit at the beginning of the show. Um, just briefly, any experiences or passed down from anyone? And, and I know a lot of us, that was part of life on the farm, but go ahead. Uh, we'll start with Jason and kind of work around, or no, we'll start with Donnell and work around. Well, the Victory Garden stuff, you know, like Michael said, you know, his his parents had him going out weeding and like you did, they made you go out clearing weeds and his kids would probably hated this stuff. Uh, I know I did. But, you know, if you take a victory garden as it was back then and compare it to today with the technology and the things we've learned, I think that kind of changes the game, Um, especially when you're talking about like container gardens and stuff. You know, somebody might be stuck in an apartment thinking, oh, crap, what what am I going to do? Well, there's there's a whole whole list of stuff that we can you can start doing. It's it's pretty darn cheap to get started in it. Anything you got, Adam? Sorry, I had it from the unmute button. Um, not really. Uh, as far as Victory Gardens going, when I talked to my grandma about it, uh, she just sat there and said she grew up on a farm, so there wasn't a, a dedicated Victory Garden. It was more or less they supplied potatoes and beets to the grocery stores because that was what grows in the soil here in Colorado, primarily up north. Yeah, she, but they, she did say they did have a designated garden for their workers that when the money was tight, they would give the workers vegetables to instead of actual payment. So really that's about, as far as Victory Gardens history-wise, I know of. Um, but as far as going into the apartment stuff, there's a lot of boutique stuff, seeds and stuff that people can find that were more apartment-related that I've found and played with. Jason, how about you? Well, I checked in with uh, my mom and uh, her older sister, my aunt, to see if – we had any stories like that in uh, my mom's side of the family going back to World War II about victory gardens and stuff. At the time, they all lived in the East Coast, in Boston specifically. And, well, my grandfather uh, was in the Army, so he was part of the war effort from that. And uh, my grandmother was 
one of the sort of Rosie the Riveter types. Um, so that's how they participated in the war effort. On my dad's side, same kind of thing. They uh, had uh, uh, a sharecropping farm kind of set up in uh, Oklahoma um, and had just started to come out to California and were participating in the citrus farms at that time. So they were already in agriculture. One of the things you have to remember is a lot of folks are coming to this from a modern viewpoint of you have your large factory farms or whatever, and not a lot of the population is in agriculture today. But you look at our panel here where at least one set of grandparents for almost everybody was in agriculture. And that's representative of what was going on in the U.S. You had 40 some odd percent of the U.S. population was in agriculture already. So people already had victory garden or gardens, but it was to really emphasize it for the urban populations to sort of help out, especially uh, as you had things like um, any sort of succulent fruits or anything like that were going to go to the troops overseas. So if you wanted anything, you had to grow it yourself. Um, but then also even just your basic staples, you know, growing it yourself, taking that pressure off the agricultural system, you know, helped all around. But I think, you know, the country, better or worse, was different in World War II. So Everybody wanted to find a way to participate in um, the war effort at the time. And so Victory Gardens, Rosie the Riveter, going off to war, volunteering, even though you weren't of age, lying on your application to get into the army. A lot of that was just a different mindset amongst the population at the time. And it's great that we're trying to do some of that or some part of the population now is doing Victory Gardens for the virus. And... Uh, I think the longer term benefit may be, you know, people finding things like this podcast of Tom's and, um, you know, really embracing uh, self-sufficiency in general, not just from, you know, growing your own tomatoes, but uh, all the other things that Tom talks about every week. You know, the other thing, too, is there's not near the agricultural land there was back mm-hmm. back in World War Two. You know, everybody's got the really tiny lots and stuff like that now, but there's still so much that they can grow just, just from their own backyard, from their own front yard. Well, I'm going to be the negative Nancy. Uh, I don't think Victory Gardens are way to go right now. As Jason said, his zombie apocalypse was, is a pandemic and not what he planned out being. We're social distancing. You can't grow a lot of food and give it to your neighbors because you're not supposed to have that kind of contact. We're in a little bit of a, an area where you're going to grow your food. And like uh, I learned to garden from my dad and my mom uh, with a nose full of dirt <laughs> that uh, I was weeding plants. I ended up pulling up a couple pepper plants. My dad finally shoved my face in the dirt and said, pepper plant weed, pepper plant weed. And I had a nose full of dirt. And I learned early that, you know, you don't, you've got to really pay attention when you're growing food. And as my parents grew up. Uh, my, I don't think people realized there wasn't indoor utilities until 70 to 72 is when we started getting utilities and that people still had outhouses and stuff in Pennsylvania and Wyoming. And we grew up in a whole different area. We're not millennials. None of us are. Right. So when it comes to growing food, you know, there's some things that 
It's not victory gardens. If you're growing food to eat, oh, Adam says he's in Yeah, when it comes to growing food, I think you, you're, you're not growing for mass production to feed the neighborhood and to feed people around you. You need to grow what you eat. And if you're not growing, if you're growing a whole bunch of stuff and wasting your space, like I said, I teach people to, to do vertical gardening and how to do an apartment that I developed a, a skill when I taught it at the high school for an alternative high school to grow food production for their cafeteria. And instead of laying stuff horizontally, you grew it vertically because there's no space. And I think those are some things to kind of think about when you're, if you're going to grow food, you're not going to grow stuff you don't eat. I, I know a, uh, Coabi, Coabi or wherever, I don't eat it. I'm not going to grow it. Uh, but I can make, I can make, I can grow pumpkins and I love pumpkin soup. And I love making pumpkin bread and they're just not for jack-o'-lantern. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of use that I like for them. And if they start to rot, you fill them full of dirt and you plant more stuff in it and it makes it so you can grow stuff. So on a whole other end, right. I, I like some of the negative Nancy kind of on this I'm not sure victory gardens are the way to go right now because of of space and what you're going to do and what are you going to grow? I think those are some things to really tackle is are you going to grow stuff that you're going to eat? Are you just planting rows and rows and rows of, of, of plant life so you can garden and try to get out there and, and to do something? I, You know, weeding is an art form. It does make us fat men sweat. <laughs> and I think it's a good thing to kind of get out and do some some work and stuff to be outside, you know, I'm besides shoveling my big dog's poop, you know, getting outside right now is, is scary for a lot of people. So I, that's kind of what I, I think about right now about, you know, victory gardens. I hate to be the negative Nancy, but is that something you really want to tackle or are you growing food to eat? No, that's a good point, Michael. And, and I know Adam was raising his hand. Let's jump into you, Adam, and then I'll kind of round out this this segment here, and we'll we'll start talking about. I think we're ready to dump in, jump into growing what we eat and all that good stuff. So, Adam, you have the floor, sir. As far as which part? <laughs> uh, I, you raised your hand, so I thought you had something. Oh no, no, that was the whole. None of us were millennials. Yeah. The oh yeah, yeah. Millennial. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Oh, I got yeah. you. Okay. I thought you were like, oh, yeah. I have I'm something. on the older end of the millennial spectrum. Got it's you. okay. So I'm, I'm a Generation X or wannabe. Well, I am Generation X, the silent one here. So, yeah, let me talk, right? Bada boom, bada bing, here we go. But, uh, yeah, so in my family line, um, come from a lot of Polish stock, they've always had gardens. And it was the bigger till up your yard kind of thing and grow all kinds of stuff. And I I actually agree with Michael. I think a lot of people are going to jump into us and start growing eggplant and kohlrabi and they're going to look at it and say, wow, isn't that awesome? And, and then they're going to say, what the hell am I going to do with this stuff? And I, they're not going to eat it. And then they don't know how to preserve it. And it's going to rot on the vine or rot in the, on the counter. So I think that's a really good way to start is growing what you eat. Um, on Julie's side, um, just to finish the historical piece of this, on Julie's side, my wife's side, grandfathers were off fighting the war. Grandmothers, however, were raising tomatoes, and they were growing tomatoes for the war effort. They were so, they were growing so much in California that they were all going off to the service. I don't know where they were delivering it or anything like that. I didn't quite get that information, but that's what was going on. So they were very good at growing tomatoes, and all that kind of went away after the war was over. And, and I think that is the trajectory we've seen, too, where we had all these victory gardens out there, even community gardens, and they've gone away. Now they've come back again. I, I drive around the, the Midwest. 
a lot of these places have community like allotments in, in Britain, right? Everybody's got their little plot and they're all growing stuff. How this changes with the pandemic, I don't know. It's not, it's not, they're not going to be out there. We're going to have to social distance. Michael's right about that. And uh, that was an aspect I hadn't really thought about, Michael, is the, um, what to do with the, the, the harvest when you have it. Can you give it away? Are people going to take it? Um, is there is there a time period you could have it out there without infecting somebody? And um, that's those are good questions. I think Jason had something to add there too. I'll I'll defer to him. I, I think a a way to add value for your listeners, Tom, would be to really kind of talk about uh, succession planting. Yep. Uh, not just grow what you want to eat and what you're already familiar with cooking, like what Michael was saying, but learning how to only plant what you're going to reasonably use your own family that particular week. You know, don't go to Walmart, buy a pack of carrot seeds and plant the whole bloody uh, uh, thing of carrot seeds all at once. You know, plant half a row of carrots, then do half a row of um, lettuce and half a row of spinach wait two weeks and then plant another set. And then when you're harvesting, okay, you've got one set of salads for that week. And then another week goes by, you have another set of salads. And then as you plant, as you harvest it, you tear it out and plant more. So you just have that rotating harvest. Um, I, you know, even before all this, I saw beginner gardeners just literally plant an entire bloody packet and they are just swimming in, you know, the the stereotypical thing is zucchini, where you're like throwing zucchinis in the uh, open windows of your, your neighbors as they're driving by to get rid of it all. So, you know, really, the listeners should look into what succession planting looks like and how much yield you're going to get out of a certain number of feet of row. And do a little back of the envelope uh, calculations to make sure you're not planting so much that you can't get rid of. Um the other thing that Michael has brought up, the whole social distancing thing, yeah, those allotments, the community gardens. I know, and um, I think I saw, and Donnell can correct me, that in Colorado Springs, that a lot of the community gardens are closed off. Um, but, you know, you're still allowed to go out in your own backyard. So if you're in suburbia, you can still plant in your own backyard. Yeah, right now, they're, uh, people aren't doing anything. I, I drove by a couple of the old ones I used to frequent, and there's just nothing going on. You know, everybody's just freaked out. So I think I'd like to see us get into, you know, what what can we do to encourage people to start doing in their own backyards and stuff. And, I mean, you know, typical suburbanite walks out of their backyard and it's like, uh, oh, my word, what, what, where do I <laughs> start? What do I do? That kind of thing. So then, like Jason was just saying, they go buy a whole packet of zucchinis and they start you know, dumping them in there. So, I mean, if we can kind of touch on that, that'd probably be pretty good. Uh, maybe even, especially suburbanites, such a small area, uh, hitting the whole container gardening thing. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a great way to start. And container gardening's good. And the other thing is that people are like, oh, I'll just can it. I'll dehydrate it. Well, dehydration takes time. And uh, canning, you don't need to have 40,000 pounds of tomatoes because we're going to we're going to can soup and we're going to can pizza sauce and we're going to can spaghetti sauce and we're going to have diced tomatoes and all. you know it, it only takes it only takes a plant 
and you don't, you know, you can can things at the same time. So you can can some tomatoes as you're canning some carrots, as you're canning some peas. You don't have to have 20 cans in a canner going. And, you know, so if you're thinking you're going to save your food, you know, learn, learn what you're going to, what you're going to eat. Like, like Jason said, and I think it is about time to what we talk about where, where are you going to start and what people want to start in. And, and you know what will, will kill you faster than COVID? Botulism. Botulism will kill you faster than COVID. So you got to know how to can it. Uh, minor detail, Jason, on the uh, botulism. Uh, <laughs> too, too bad Michael had his, uh, his thing uh, uh, muted there because he was laughing up a storm. That would have been a good laugh track for <laughs> yeah, the episode. Would've. Yeah, would have. Uh, as far as the suburbanite thing going, um, I got a buddy that actually called me. Yeah, he is the typical suburbanite, no garden, nothing. Doesn't hates, hates to cut cut his lawn, but yeah, he wants to try doing gardening this year. He's asking me for help. It's like, it's like, dude, just go get two uh, two by twelves that are eight feet long. Come in half, so you got a four foot square. Fill it up with dirt and figure out what you're going to eat. Because a four by eight garden, you're going to be surprised what you can fit in a four by eight garden. I mean, Grant, my first year when I did that. I probably had, like Jason said, wait. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, right? <laughs> Just when we're winding up. No, that was good. It was really good. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Can you all hear me? Jason's in. Thanks for coming yeah, back. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, thanks, man. Dang it. <laughs> Bless America, man. What happened? <laughs> well, Michael wasn't kidding. Once it goes, it goes. <laughs> It goes quick, that's for sure. But it was not even 40 minutes, so it's like, son of a biscuit. So, good call, Michael. You're you're the man. I've done a few of these, man. I know they go like like that. Well, we were just getting into it. It was getting interesting. <laughs> Botulism. <laughs> son of a diddly. Oh, man. Son of a botulism. <laughs> Michael, that mead looks really good, by the way. My tombucha is empty. I'm kind of sad over here. Mm. I'm kind of jealous Michael has meat and didn't isn't sharing. Hell, that's a mug and a half of meat right there too. That's <laughs> I know. <laughs> just, just, a wee, just, just, just a wee bit. Just a wee bit in my glass. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Just Might a, I have another. That's right. Just an osh. Just I'm looking for the horn. Come on, Michael. Where's the horn, baby? Not the horn, but there's the bottle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Danielle, you were uh, you were going good, man. You were talking about the the wicking bed containers, and um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Just, wait, I, wait, I just, wait, wait up, Tom. Do you have the uh, do you have it recording? Because it it didn't it's, it doesn't have the little session being recorded thing on my end here. Okay, hold on a second. I mean, uh, da, 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 da. yes, thank you, very good, excellent. There you go. Um, and I also have. Um, I'm still recording on my other two devices, so we are in good shape, cool. you know. Um, good deal. Anyway. Yeah, no, so uh, like I was saying, I, I just threw this something together really quick. I emailed it to you. I don't know if you want to post or whatever you want to do with it, but it's just it's container gardening on the cheap. Um, you know, a lot of the, the cattle ranches around here and stuff like that, they, they'll feed their cattle these big buckets, and they just throw them away, or you can ask them, and they'll give them to you by the dozen. And those things there from the little document I sent you is just, they're just phenomenal. And they're cheap as dirt. You know, people can take, they can go to Walmart and get the 20-gallon tub, and they can do the exact same thing. 
throw in a couple pipes or your old soda bottles, your old water bottles, take your landscape material, tuck it down on the sides and the inside, top it off with dirt, drill a hole in the side, put in like five inches of water, put a PVC pipe down the side. And I mean, it works just like the, my beds that I have out here, you know, except they're a, little, a lot more portable. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. And it's, um, one of the big complaints I have from from uh, new gardeners is I have such a black thumb because my plants all died. Well, why did they die? Well, I wasn't watering them. And that's a one way to take that out of the equation is to have that water reservoir on the bottom. Yeah, definitely. I will definitely share that. Um, I know my friend Michael Bell done at Dallas Half Acre Farms. He's doing the same thing, finding those buckets. He's finding um, there's a new subdivision going in and he's grabbing the they were throwing them away. They were the old containers for the trees and stuff that just happened to be on the side of the road. And he drove by at four in the morning and just, uh, you know, happened to, um, they just happened to find their way in the truck somehow. So there's a lot of different ways we can do this and, and use materials and things and resources around us. So, um, well, that's the thing too, is like, if someone just takes a little container that he's picking up, you take a five gallon bucket, you take that container that they got the tree in, Flip it upside down, throw it in that bucket, put your landscape material in there, put your potting soil in there. There you go. You're mm-hmm. you're you're all set. And people can grow a lot of stuff. In a very small space, absolutely. Mr. Jordan, Star Lord, it looks like you wanted to say something. Yeah. That's uh, a nice background you got going on there. <laughs> the uh one thing that I taught in in the high school, the alternative school, is we used to take two liter bottles. And you cut the bottoms out of it and left a big funnel light. You put a sponge in the bottom of it and filled it full of dirt. And then we screwed that two-liter bottle into half-inch PVC. And what we would do is that uh, two-liter bottle would be at an angle, kind of, kind of like this. Like, uh, I'll have to probably turn on Star-Lord. But the bottle would be sitting at an angle like this, and this would be full of dirt. And we would run a five-gallon bucket full of water with a fish pump into a trickle drip system. So it just drip water in it, watering the plant and the sponge would absorb most of the water and you could just turn it off. When the sponge started getting dry, you could see the dirt drop. When you wanted to get them more moist, the sponge would absorb it, pushing the dirt up and you knew the sponges were full. And you could just screw those on the two uh, on half inch PVC pipe and do a row of them <laughs> and then do another row of them and another row of them and you know like so for a lot of people that that want to grow food that you eat you put these two liter bottles on the bottom tipped upside down and you put one maybe with squash one with cucumber one with yellow crookneck squash uh, most of your vining plants on the bottom and then towards the top you would grow carrots and you put maybe two or three carrots in one container and then you'd have two or three carrots growing in a container. And that these would just make it so it was easier for you instead of growing this way, you'd flip your whole garden this way and put it on. And we mounted it to a wall. So it was just mounted on the wall with a little two liter bottle. So you can grow tomatoes and onions and all kinds of stuff in this dirt. And it's not hydroponically grown. You're still growing in earth. You're just not getting big plant life and you're just not getting. You know, like you're not getting carrots that are, you know, de- you know, you're getting little bitty carrots and stuff. But what are you using them for? What are you eating with them? And those are some things, you know, so the containers don't have to be big. 
that's you know when Jason was uh, when uh, Adam was talking about uh, you know a little square footage grows a lot of food. I'm growing it in a two liter bottle on a wall. So I mean those are some things to think about. Yeah, it reminds me of a system, really simple system that Larry Hall from Rain Gutter Grow Systems put together um, several years ago. He took a, a Tupperware tub, he had the top on it, cut some holes in the tub and put the two liter bottles in it. He could fit like six two liter bottles in it, put some soil in it, water down below, just wicks right up into it. And he could grow all kinds of lettuce or chard or, you know, greens or even a small tomato, you know, determinate potato plant or tomato plant in there. I mean, you can do some interesting things in very little space and, um, you know, you don't need to have these massive expansive gardens to really supplement your, supplement your grocery list, right? I mean, we're not talking about replacing that. To to replace things on your grocery list, you're going to have to grow a lot of that stuff. And and some of us live in environments that don't allow that, that don't provide, you know, we'd, it'd be really tough without tilling up a whole spot or having these massive gardens. So you're just really like Michael and others have said, growing what you eat and then picking a few things and and doing it that way. No, and, and this is all good because this is helping me. I mean, for me as a content creator, to come up with ideas to, you know, put some of this out there. Cause there are people that are coming to the platform. And they're like, Oh my gosh, where do we start? What do we do? I've never even thought about this before. And, and uh, we've all done different things in our own different way. So um, what do you all think about things? I mean, granted we talked about growing what you eat, but some of the top things or some of the few things that people should really look at to grow. What do you, what do you all think? What is your, Y'all have a list that you've thought about that, oh, yeah, people should probably grow some of these. What is the X on that list? Go ahead. We'll start with Danielle. You want to start first? I think number one thing people underestimate is uh, tomatoes. Mm -hmm. How many tomatoes do they use? Spaghetti sauce, tomato sauce, tomato paste. uh, Those good salsas that, like, you make, Tom. People just have no idea how much they use i mean there, there was one year when we first moved out here that I was like all right we're gonna can all our own spaghetti sauce holy cow i had no idea how much work that that was gonna be no idea we used that much so you started getting into it and it's just like wow yeah it tasted phenomenal but when you step back and, and 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 you start even if you start putting a list together okay you know for you know, the month of January, my whole family used whatever five bottles of ketchup. You know, that's not including all the spaghetti sauce, tomato paste. And if you start keeping track of that, it's like, okay, how many tomatoes do I need to grow to be able to take care of my family for several months? I don't think people think about that. Not also how much, but what kind of tomatoes goes into that. Because Jerry Tomatoes ain't, don't make the best spaghetti sauce, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's a really good point is to kind of keeping track in the next couple of weeks even of what what your family's eating, what you're eating, and that's going to kind of drive where this is going to go. Because like we said, growing kohlrabi might be easy and great and look impressive, but you're going to eat the stuff? What are you going to do with it? You know, so that's a good way to start too, is to kind of track what you're doing. Um, Adam, do you have a do you have a like a go to something that people should think about? My um, go to that a lot of people don't think about is Swiss chard. Because mm. with me, it, my experience, it grows like a freaking weed, and it tastes way better than lettuce and a hell of a lot better than kale. 
I know Danielle's going to argue with me on that one. Um, other than that, actually, the two different squashes, the uh, <laughs> the summer squash and the winter squash are the two. I mean, yeah, you grow crooknecks and zucchinis, but throw some spaghetti squash in there. There's your winter squash, so you got some stuff year-round. No, we don't grow Swiss chard around here, Adam. Sorry, not going to happen. But he does grow a lot of kale, and he loves it. That's because uh, Danielle's a original hipster. <laughs> no, I'm going to have to say these days, you're kind of looking like the ultimate hipster right there, that's for sure. <laughs> Mr. Jason, how about you? What, what's your, what do you think? Well, the go-to definitely is a tomato. Uh, if you've never grown your own tomatoes or you've never gotten a, a fresh tomato right off the vine off of you know, an ant or, or a neighbor who grows them in the backyard, there is really no comparison between a legit homegrown tomato, uh, even like a normal variety. You don't even have to go heirloom compared to a Walmart or, or a Kroger tomato. There, there's no comparison. So if anything, if somebody can do a couple of tomatoes and get that gardening bug. Um, so moving forward, if, um, you know, if everything comes back, you know, uh, we come to May, we beat the virus and everything's back up and running by June, July, at least then you still have the interest level and a little bit of experience to keep going into the future. Um, as far as, you know, what's going to be a good calorie to, um, you know, space kind of thing. If this is really going to not end fast, or it's going to get to the point where we start to lose some of our agricultural workers to the virus, and we start having to prioritize, okay, we're going to have to move away from a lot of the, you know, more succulent stuff that doesn't hold well, and just do soy, corn, you know, industrial ag type stuff, what is going to be a tasty source of calories for you in that kind of situation? Because things could go much worse. Things could get better, but things can go much, much worse and things can go wrong hardcore with this virus moving forward over the next couple of months. So I think Adam's uh, squash suggestion is huge. Just dumb, easy to do. It'll grow even if you step on it, basically. And, um, you know, the uh, spaghetti squash you know, for one, they're bizarrely expensive at the store. So that's a good uh, effort to uh, cost benefit. And you're going to be able to feed an entire family of four after uh, out of one or two spaghetti squashes and throw some chicken in it, some frozen chicken that you've already stockpiled along with your toilet paper and, uh, you know, go from there. My first experience with uh, spaghetti squash was an accident because I grew it and I had like five of them. When I, by the time gardening season was over and two of them sat on my counter for four months and they were still good after those four months. I was like, Hey, this is kind of cool. I want to keep growing these. <laughs> that's kind of funny about it. Like, yeah, and they're, and they're bizarrely tasty. That's why I said Swiss, Swiss chard. They're, they're, no, you can take your Swiss chard somewhere else there, Adam. No, <laughs> not going to have it. <laughs> no, but it's like the whole squash thing, <clears throat> man, you, you can, you start throwing your acorn squash and some of the other ones, they'll last a long time, have some good protein, and they taste great too. They're easy to grow. They grow like wheats, unlike Swiss chard. Mr. Jordan, think, you can, uh, yep, sorry, go ahead. Well, sorry. I think that there's some really good points here, and I think that we're going to hit some really cool ones that uh, 
tomato growing is your high schooler's first beer. It's exciting. It's fun. It kind of gets you motivated because you see the plants grow. You see the produce going. It doesn't take a lot of room. And that's your, uh, like I said, it's like your high schooler's first beer. When you get into squash and stuff and you see how big they vine and how much area they take and what they can do, it's a kind of extraordinary to watch them vine. And it's kind of, it kind of gets you into that grass. But if you're going to grow stuff, take one uh, section and, and call this your salsa garden. Mm-hmm. And you're going to plant a row of onions. You're going to plant some tomatoes in it. I'm going to grow some cilantro. I'm going to go ahead and do some peppers in it. And what I'm going to do with this is this hoop house or these cupper containers or whatever. This is what I'm going to make my salsa out of. Yes, I can use them as fresh salads and stuff to go with them to spice them up and to give color and stuff to them. But if I'm going to can, I'm going to make salsa out of this. Or I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to produce uh, some tomato paste and stuff with some seasoning and stuff with it. So try to, you know, I think one of the best things is like we talked about what do you eat? I don't know how many people out there do this, but we're, you know, we're fruit, we're food pep preppers and we prep food for the month. So I know what I'm cooking tomorrow. I know what I have stocked for tomorrow. I know when I have everything for the next 30 days of what I'm going to eat because, you know, what. As, as, as a person that uh, had to get insurance, because his wife said, you know, just because you make money doesn't mean we have insurance. I work for the school district. So that money from the school district, we get paid once a month. So for that, we prep what we're going to cook for the full month and you buy it and then you put it away. And some of those things are canned items and some of it's not so fresh because some stuff doesn't last till the end of the month. So you have to eat your fresh stuff first, your canned stuff towards the end. You have to watch how you do your food prep. I think that's to do with growing. When you were talking about succession gardening, which was a great idea, Jason, is that, you know, make sure you're pulling what you got, pull it out, use it, reuse it. Um, it's always nice to, to bite into a fresh tomato. It's always great to take that cucumber and to just snap it in half and to dice it up and make vinegar and salt cucumbers. Uh, you also have to think about what else are cool things that I could do. And I'm a big squash guy. Butternut squash, acorn squash, spaghetti squash, squ- uh, pumpkins. I'm big into it. But I also own a Ronco pasta maker. Right? So I can also make not only breads and stuff out of these types of squashes, I'm making pasta with it too. So you got to, you know, multifaceted what you do and, and learn some new trade skills. But, you know, canning's a trade skill, dehydrating's a trade skill, making spaghetti squash into pasta's a trade skill, making it into bread's a trade skill. If you can grow it, make sure you know how to cook it to eat it. Just because you grow Brussels sprouts, if you don't know how to roast them and make them garlicly good, you won't eat them. So those are some things that, you know, that I wanted to put out there. Yeah, actually, one of the things I wanted to add to the whole this garden beds for salsa, whatever. A lot of the seed companies that I found, like Burpee and all them, are starting to do like gardener starter packs. 
and I actually picked one up was a salsa garden starter pack. So it's like, okay, I'm, I know what goes into my salsa. It's none of this, but I'll try it out. Why not? And same. Yeah. Cause that, I got the space. I could do it. Uh, but they also had like a toss salad starter pack and everything else. But to also go along with the succession gardening, uh, the seasonal gardening is a big one too. Cause spinach right now, if you plant it and grow it, tastes awesome. Where if you plant it and eat it in July, as Danielle likes to call shard, it tastes like dirt, <laughs> but yeah, that's another thing to learn. At least maybe not your first year, but definitely your second and third year. Learn when stuff primarily goes, as well as with companion gardening. Because um, like me, I always plant my cucumbers with my sunflowers. Because one, it gives my cucumbers something to trellis on. And two, they both require a crap ton of water. So guess what? I want to be overwatering that bed just so everything will grow. That I really want to find that picture where I had the uh, bees and the cucumber flowers and the big old sunflower. Yeah, you can do a lot with a salsa garden. I had a, um, it was like a two by four uh, small wicking bed that I was doing. A, I, it was really late in the season when I put this thing in, but it produced the onions, it produced the peppers, it produced the tomatoes, it produced the cilantro, it produced all the stuff that I could make uh, salsa. And it was really easy to maintain and it just psh, done, you know. And uh, somebody with a, um, a condo, a townhouse, uh, an apartment where you have some really restrict, big restrictions. You know, you can't just go out and till up the backyard of the apartment building. You could do this on a deck, and and people are looking for ways. And usually, you see, you know, if you look around at the apartments, you'll see a container or something, and they look like hell because they're not watering them. And this might, you know, there's some ways where you can make them automatically water and and um, you know, kind of a fire and forget while you're at work or doing your work or whatever. So there are ways we can do this, and we'll we'll have those ideas out there for people too. I think that's really important. Um, yeah, so we're looking at tomatoes and, and hold my beer, right? I, I'm a tomato guy, so yes. Um, I have a song about that that I'll come up with. But anyway, yeah, tomatoes are my thing. I really like that. One thing I've noticed uh, in my pantry is potatoes went really fast. Uh, I still have some canned uh, tomatoes up there and such, uh, but the potatoes... They went just like that. And if there's a way you can grow some, that might not be a bad idea. Or even the sweet potatoes aren't a bad idea either. But they do vine and, and squash vines and they take up space. you got to have some room to, to make that happen. And, and a potato, they'll get bushy and they'll have flowers and you'll attract pollinators, which is kind of cool too. So um, that is something. I had a garden plan and I changed it all and I'm going to put potatoes and sweet potatoes in it. So it'll be kind of an interesting year. Um, yeah. Okay. Anybody have any other yeah. ideas about that, Daniel? Yeah, I, I noticed uh, last year I had a huge bed of uh, onions, actually one and a half beds, and I was surprised how quickly we, we went through those. It's like this year I'm going to triple the efforts. I mean, and then onions will grow themselves, and nothing bothers them, at least not that I haven't found out here in Colorado. No bugs really seem to care to munch on those. That'd be a huge one. People don't realize how much they use. Another interesting thing also is that as, as it becomes more clear that the uh, the school year is is done, that we're not going to go back to school this school year period, um, you, everybody needs to have projects for their kids. And there's no better project for kids than gardening. Uh, I think it was Adam talking about, you know, taking off uh, lumber and just cutting it up into uh, square foot gardening. You know, just old school Mel Bartholomew style square square foot gardening. You have your own, but then set up one 
you know, maybe just a two by two for each kid. And then they can experiment. They can be in charge of their own stuff. The other point I wanted to make was with the companion stuff, um, combine the companion gardening stuff with some uh, homeschool natural or natural history or, or, or cultural history and do a three sisters garden. You know, you got your corn, your beans and your squash and, you know, find something online to really address, you know, some American history issues with uh, uh, the Native Americans and why they did three sisters, why it was important. Um, you know, not all, not all the tribes did three sisters. It was more of a, a Plains and, and East Coast kind of thing. But, you know, there's ways to function stack, you know, to be able to talk about history, to educate the youth and also grow stuff. Yeah, that's a really great, great point. I mean, I was talking to a teacher today and uh, they are struggling right now because they are having online classes and the teachers are struggling to figure out what to teach these kids. And, and I'm going to send that teacher um, the quick starting, uh, the seed start guide. And, and I told him, hey, you know, you're doing math, but you can kind of maybe you can work in some of this stuff and and uh, into your into your assignments. I mean, he's got a Zoom meeting with 70 kids on there and they're all like trying to figure out what to do with themselves. And some of them just want to hang out and watch the teacher work. I mean, that's how bored some of these kids are. It's it's crazy. I know Michael Jordan's going, well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe these kids have nothing going on at home and they don't want to. You know, their their parents are locked away doing their work stuff uh, to keep the business going. But um, this would be might be a great way for them to actually do something with their hands and learn those skills and and learn a little, learn some other things along the way. Science, learn about worms, learn about you know history, all kinds of stuff. There's some really good lessons to be learned there. Michael, you look like you want to say something. Well, you know, we're talking about you know, like I said, you know, the tomato is the high school beer. Right, you had your first beer in high school, and it's kind of cool. You grew your first tomatoes, it's kind of cool. But there are some exotic stuff you can do that people really get into, and you can do it in small areas. And one of them is mushroom farming. And I think that those, uh, if you <clears throat> lion's mane, if you prep it right, it tastes like lobster. You know, you can grow big portobellas and stuff them with sausages and stuff, and make burgers out of them without buns. So, I mean, there's there's other things that you can grow, you know, other than just, oh, we're going to grow some vegetables and stuff. You know, there's a little stuff out of the box that you can grow, that you can do about some of this. And some of it also helps with your pest management. That uh, outdoor gardening and stuff, yes, you have all kinds of bugs and stuff. People are like, oh, that's why we grow it in greenhouses and hoop houses and indoors and stuff. But then if you do that indoors, you have mites. And you have all kinds of things that grow across your plants, uh, webbing from uh, wax moth and all kinds of stuff that you can get from growing indoors. So this is also kind of what Jason's saying is teaching your kids something kind of cool. This kind of gets you into your bugs and entomology. As a beekeeper, I'm big into the entomology part and stuff like that and pest control and natural management. And there's a lot of things that you can do with that. And if you're going to garden, and people are already talking about birds and chickens. They eat those pests. You have to manage them a little bit. Uh, the quail do a really good job in your in your raised beds and stuff because they don't tear a lot of stuff up like the chickens and ducks do. 
but there are natural ways of pest management, just like there is indoors. And those are some things you got to consider too. Are your kids going to be hanging off your vertical garden inside your house? Those are some things to think about, you know, where you're putting them. I just threw that one in there for you, Adam. You got the new ones. So I'm just saying, you know, that you got to kind of, where are you going to place your gardens? Where you're going to grow at? What you're going to grow? What you're going to do with it? There's a lot. There's a lot to this that, you know, yeah, we're in some hard times and people are, are like, man, food's getting serious. Maybe we should start growing our own food and stuff. Sit down and, you know, sit down with some of these people and, don't go into the Curtis Stone spin cycle of I'm going to grow front yard garden and we're going to do all this stuff and, and, and really do all this stuff. Really think about practicality and water, you know, uh, how much water do you got? Are you rationing water? I mean, uh, Jason's living in an RV. I don't know how hard it is for water and stuff, what he's doing. So, I mean, there's, there's things like that, you know, land fertility, I mean, there's a lot. If you really want to get into this and you really want to dive deep into this and go boots deep, you know, there's there's some things that you got to think about other than I'm just going to throw some seeds in the ground. I hope they grow. Uh, you you, you got to think about some of this a little bit. And, and it does take a little bit of reading, especially on the pack of seeds. I guarantee 90 percent of the people don't even read the back of a seed package. So I think, you know, I, I think there's some things that you can think about that that aren't that 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 people don't think about and i, I like the homeschooling thing because i teach beekeeping on a whole scale of using everything in a school from the english department to the math department the media department to the special parts of it where we're building woodware as well as painting the hives i mean so when homeschooling with gardening i mean i'm sure there's a virtual man whole world that you can teach and educate people with on that very true. Yeah, there's a lot of good resources out there. And and maybe I know some of our batteries are getting low. Um, maybe we'll go around a little bit, but then, uh-oh, we got about 10 minutes. <laughs> um, got a warning finally, thanks. Um, so maybe we'll go around a little bit. We could talk about resources or anything you want to end with, and then we'll need to know where we can find you. But maybe we'll just go around the horn. Um Donnell, you want to start first? I mean, resources or anything like that to, um, you know, where where you might want to direct people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right now we've, I mean, we've kind of, I mean, most of you guys, and we've taken the farm in a different direction. So if people want to know about container gardening, um, you know, kind of what we're doing with the tanks and whatnot, I just sent a little quick PowerPoint thing. But people can always email me at freemanfamilyfarm one at gmail.com and feel free to ask any questions. I can send them videos of what we got going on here. Um, very, very cheap ways of being able to throw together some container pots on their deck with Home Depot buckets or, or whatever. Uh, there's even a lot of uh, free seed exchanges out there, especially now I've noticed there's been a huge ramp up in that. I don't know if you guys have seen that yet, but um yeah, people can always just hit me up on there or on uh, on Facebook too. Jason, you want to go next? Uh, sure. Again, uh, 
I've got uh, Regenerative Road Trip uh, on YouTube, regenroadtrip.com, and uh, a new thing we're starting with my uh, brother uh, called explorestuff.com. Since we're out in the uh, national parks and he's a big Disney fan, we're kind of uh, curating a lot of the uh, travel vlogs and travel blogs out there on uh, explorestuff.com. But uh, again, Best of luck to everyone. Start small. Don't go into it thinking you need to have a quarter acre farm in your backyard right away and just grow something, taste it, get the bug and keep going into the future. And good luck to everyone on that. Mr. Adam, how about yourself? Yeah, kind of go along with everyone else's as far as the don't go into deep because everyone looks at my backyard and they go, holy crow, you got a whole bunch going on out there. Yeah, because I started off small, grew it beyond control, and then scaled back and still got a lot going on. Uh, as far as resources go, one of my favorite go-to books is Home Sweet, Homegrown. It's a little green book for like 10 bucks, and it's a good beginner's guide. Um, so that's one of my main go-tos whenever I'm gardening. I still reference that book. Um, as far as reaching me, you can get me on Facebook at Rape Your Ranch. So that's the family page. My wife runs it. Eventually we'll have our own blog. But like Michael said, with little ones, it's kind of hard. All roads lead to Michael Jordan. You can catch me. I used to have a website and I found out I do more business on social media than I would ever do on a website. That word of mouth and everything is huge. I have a friendly page. Uh, for AB Friendly Company on Facebook, you can catch Michael George Cheyenne, Wyoming on Facebook. I have the Urban Gorilla, uh, which is called IPUG, which is I'm a prepping urban gorilla that's on Facebook. Um, you can get me at abfriendlycompany.com. Ask your questions. I have a virtual library of everything from home survival to, man, it's... Uh, my wife says that I, my, my book reading and knowledge is a plethora of useless shit until this happened. <laughs> and now it's, and now I'm like your go-to guy that uh, people want to move near me because of all this stuff. But I, I love you guys. You guys share a lot of knowledge. And I thank you for letting me to participate in this and go out just like Jason said, start something, right? It doesn't have to be a success, right? I'm going to tell you, I fail every day the only thing i want is my beautiful wife and i don't know how i went on that (laughs) but i fail more than anything else and i've learned so much from it which allows me to share it i know a lot of people that are in this field everything from gardening food to home protection and um i think your best bet is if you're worried about your food production Find out what you eat and learn to grow it indoors so people don't steal it. If you're not worried about that and you want to grow outdoors, try to grow something outside. Just make a nice raised bed and try it. You can turn it into a hoop house or a tunnel later and try it. But I'm going to tell you right now, don't be getting into some gardening groups unless you're just looking to ask some questions because right now they're closing down communities. You're not doing social gathering. You're not out having a good time and uh i'm having a good time i saved 15 percent of my wage 
for the last 30 years. I'm good to go. I know how to can. I know how to dehydrate. I know how to grow my own food. I can take care of some things. And I think that's what makes me comfortable. And I show it. I mean, I got I got a belly on me like Santa Claus. So I think that being comfortable and stuff like makes me more in tune to kind of what's going on because I'm not panicking. So try to grow some food. Try to do some great stuff. Like I said, I'm not a victory garden guy, but I'm a guy that does garden, and I think you should try it. And just try to step out and try to make something. That's a great way to close this. I mean, gentlemen, this has been so much fun. And um, uh, Jason had to go, but uh, we will – I think we need to do this again. I mean, this has been a, a really good time, and I appreciate the time that you've all spent sharing it with me, being on the show, um, being on the show before some of you, um, Adam, you will have to get you on my friend. Um, and it's just been really great getting to know each other. All th- all four of us have raised a, uh, raised a glass and had a good time out at Daniel's place. And, and, uh, you know, those were good times definitely. And, and we'll have to do it once this stuff all kind of goes away (laughs) or we figure it all out but gentlemen it is a pleasure and you all are great individuals and i am i am proud to call you my friends and there you have it really appreciate the time and the information that these gentlemen provided really appreciate them being on the small scale life podcast small scale gardening podcast and we will have them back real soon to talk more about gardening and gearing up for this 2020 garden season. It is a very interesting time. And I hope from all of us here at Small Scale Life and Small Scale Gardening that you are staying safe, you're staying healthy, you're staying vigilant, and uh, give gardening a try. You know, it sounds like there's a lot to it, but again, start small. Start very small. Containers, herbs, look at the, the vegetables that we talked about, tomatoes and onions and cilantro, which goes to bolt very quickly. We'll talk about that in a separate podcast. Uh, Peppers, um, squash, these things are very good. If you need more resources, we will provide them to you. Check out my garden plan. I called it Soup Gardening. It was from 2019. It's on a Small Scale Life podcast. uh, I'm going to do a Soup soup Garden 2.0. I'm growing things that you can put in a really hearty vegetable soup, and these are good nutrient-dense stuff that's going to fill up your tummy and keep you going uh, when times get tough or even when they don't. So we're going to be talking about that real soon. I've got more content coming out, so stay tuned. Again, pick up your free seed starting guide. We're going to have another guide coming up talking all about, uh, about soil and getting a really good soil for your container gardens, especially these wicking bed gardens. There's different ideas out there, different thoughts about it. Each system has their own thou shalt use this soil mantra and leave it to me to be a little bit of a rebel. So we'll talk about that real soon. Got podcast interviews with Michael Bell and my friend, Mr. Tactical J. Those are coming up as well. So we've got a lot coming up. Stay tuned to smallscalelife.com. I can just tell you, go get that seed starting guide at smallscalelife.com under free guides. Sign up for the newsletter. We're going to have more stuff coming out very soon. Once you get into that seed guide, once you sign up for the newsletter, you're going to get first crack at new guides coming out that'll be put into the seed vault. That's what I'm calling that Google Drive, that secure Google Google Drive where we're going to put all these guides and more reports. So make sure you get in there, sign up for it, and uh, be looking for more information real soon. So thank you again for tuning in. Thank you again, gentlemen. 
gentlemen, for being part of this Blue Ribbon panel. I hope you learned a lot. I sure did. It's always great talking with those with those folks. And, uh, and we hope that you learn, do, grow, be a little better every day. This is Tom from Small Scale Life and the Small Scale Gardening Podcasts. And take care, everybody. We'll see you real soon. This has been a production of Small Scale Life Media. And everything's gonna be alright. We're gonna cut back our tomatoes and prevent blight. Oh no, no, no. Tomato man. Tomato man. Growing tomatoes like never before. Tomato man. Gonna get them till they're 24 feet tall. Tomato man. I sound like a dumbass all the time, so. Yes. Yes.